Welcome to our worship today from Seal Church, led by me, Canon Anne Labar. Our thanks today go to the choristers of St Martin in the Fields for our hymns. Beloved, we are come together in the presence of Almighty God and of the whole company of heaven to offer unto him through our Lord Jesus Christ our worship and praise and thanksgiving, to make confession of our sins, to pray as well for others as for ourselves, that we may know more truly the greatness of God's love and show forth in our lives the fruits of his grace, and to ask on behalf of all men such things as their well-being doth require. Wherefore, let us kneel in silence and remember God's presence with us now. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. 
we have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us miserable offenders. Spare thou them, O God, which confess their faults. Restore thou them that are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind, in Christ Jesus you are Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. May the Almighty and merciful Lord grant unto you pardon and remission of all your sins, time for amendment of life, and the grace and comfort of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Lord, open thou our lips, and our mouth shall show forth thy praise. O God, make speed to save us. O Lord, make haste to help us. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise ye the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. The psalm today is Psalm 123. Unto thee lift I up mine eyes, O thou that dwellest in the heavens. Behold, even as the eyes of servants look unto the hand of their masters, and as the eyes of a maiden unto the hand of her mistress, even so our eyes wait upon the Lord our God, until he have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us, for we are utterly despised. Our soul is filled with the scornful reproof of the wealthy, and with the despitefulness of the proud. Glory be to the Father, and the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. The first reading is from the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, chapter 2, beginning at the first verse. The heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. When I saw this, I fell on my face, and I heard the voice of someone speaking. He said to me, O mortal, stand up on your feet, and I will speak with you. And when he spoke to me, a spirit entered into me and set me on my feet and I heard him speaking to me. He said to me, Mortal, I am sending you to the people of Israel, to a nation of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have transgressed against me to this very day. The descendants are impudent and stubborn. I am sending you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God. Whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house, they shall know that there has been a prophet among them. We say the Magnificat together. My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Saviour, for he hath regarded the lowliness of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed, for he that is mighty hath magnified me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him throughout all generations. He hath showed strength with his arm. 
He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seat, and hath exalted the humble and meek. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. He, remembering his mercy, hath holpen his servant Israel, as he promised to our forefathers Abraham and his seed for ever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. The Gospel reading is from Mark's Gospel, chapter 6, beginning at the first verse. Jesus came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. They said, Where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offence at him. Then Jesus said to them, Prophets are not without honour except in their hometown, and among their own kin and in their own house. And he could do no deed of power there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Then he went about among the villages teaching. He called the twelve and began to send them out two by two, and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He ordered them to take nothing for their journey, except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. He said to them, Wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. If any place will not welcome you and they refuse to hear you, as you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. We say the Nunc Dimittis together. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace, according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, to be a light to lighten the Gentiles, and to be the glory of thy people Israel. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And we say the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. 
let us pray. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. O Lord, show thy mercy upon us, and grant us thy salvation. O Lord, save the Queen, and mercifully hear us when we call upon thee. Endue thy ministers with righteousness, and make thy chosen people joyful. O Lord, save thy people, and bless thine inheritance. Give peace in our time, O Lord, because there is none other that fighteth for us, but only thou, O God. O God, make clean our hearts within us, and take not thy Holy Spirit from us. Grant, O Lord, we beseech thee, that the course of this world may be so peaceably ordered by thy governance, that thy church may joyfully serve thee in all godly quietness, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O God, from whom all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works do proceed, give unto thy servants that peace which the world cannot give, that both our hearts may be set to obey thy commandments, and also that by thee we, being defended from the fear of our enemies, may pass our time in rest and quietness, through the merits of Jesus Christ our Saviour. Amen. Lighten our darkness, we beseech thee, O Lord, and by thy great mercy defend us from all perils and dangers of this night, for the love of thy only Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. In the name of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. We have had more than enough of contempt, too much of the scorn of the indolent rich and of the derision of the proud. Powerful words from our psalm today. Ancient words, but words which I think could have been written in any age. By a destitute Victorian forced into the workhouse. By a refugee who's escaped war with only the clothes on their back. Or by someone who finds themselves dependent on the help of a food bank. It's hard work to be poor. It's depressing, it's tiring and complicated. But to add to all that, you often also have to contend with the attitudes of those who've never been there or who've managed to scramble out of poverty somehow. It's all too easy for others to sit in judgment, to assume that those who have less are less, less valuable, less hard-working, less careful, less conscientious. The contempt, scorn and derision the psalmist complained of two and a half thousand years ago are just as prevalent today as they ever have been. It was interesting to read that psalm alongside the Gospel reading today, which is also in its own way about poverty and our attitudes to it. Jesus deliberately sends his followers out on their first mission with nothing but the clothes on their back and a stout stick. No bag, no money, no bread, 
No backup if they find themselves homeless. Nothing to smooth their way if it all goes wrong and they want to buy themselves out of trouble. It may only be a temporary exercise, but he's sending them out with nothing to fall back on or to offer to others. Nothing to tempt people to join them. And it will be obvious they'll look poor as well as being poor. It's partly about them learning to trust God and not themselves, but it will also help to break that deep-rooted assumption that material success is a sign of God's blessing, a reward for virtue or hard work. Now, there's nothing wrong with virtue or hard work in themselves, of course, but the truth is that material success often has far more to do with the family we're born into or the people we encounter on our way or just plain good luck than we'd like to think. The good weather that ripens a vital crop, or the bad weather that destroys it. Political instability, war, unjust trading practices, or as we've seen this year, pandemic disease, all things beyond our power to control, they all tilt the playing field, so that some have it easier than others from the start. Billions of people around the world who work harder than most of us could ever imagine still live their whole lives in dire poverty. The fact that some manage to pull themselves up by their bootstraps doesn't mean that everyone can. You have to have some bootstraps for a start. It isn't fair that it should be so, and we're all called to right injustice where we can, but there'll always be some who'll fall beneath, between the gaps. It might be others... It might be us, now or in the future. So it's important that we learn to talk and think about poverty in ways which don't dehumanise or demonise or reject those who find themselves stuck in it. It has to have been tough for Jesus' disciples to be sent out like beggars, dependent on the goodwill of those who welcomed them or didn't. Most of them weren't particularly wealthy, but they weren't destitute either. They owned boats to fish from, homes to live in. They had jobs and families and positions in their communities. Going out with nothing forced them to look at themselves afresh, to discover how much of their sense of self-worth and security was tied up with what they had, rather than who they were, children of God. The fact that Jesus tells them what to do if they aren't welcomed shows that this would sometimes be the case. This isn't a test of faith. If they believe hard enough, there will be a bed and a square meal. No, this is a confrontation with reality, with the insecurity and the fear that stalks human life, and which we all sooner or later have to deal with. They needed to face that because many of them, like Jesus himself, would face opposition and persecution. Some of them would lose family, home or even their lives because they followed Jesus. And the new communities they created would be disproportionately filled with those who came from the lowest rungs of society. They wouldn't look or feel successful to others or to themselves. If they thought that material success was a sign that they were in God's good books, they'd be in for a shock. They needed to know what it felt like to have nothing and to know that it didn't mean that they were nothing. This mission was part of that steep learning curve. 
It was, I suspect, something that Jesus had learned early himself, and there's a hint of that in the first part of the Gospel story. The crowd who take offence at Jesus when he preaches in his hometown of Nazareth do so because they've known him all his life, and his family too. They call him the son of Mary. People in that patriarchal culture would usually have referred to people as sons of their father, not their mother, even if the father was dead. To call him the son of Mary implies that they thought there was something dodgy about his parentage. Mark's Gospel, the earliest one to have been written, doesn't have any stories about Jesus' miraculous conception or birth. It doesn't mention Joseph at all, or any other father. Mark doesn't seem to know anything about a virgin birth. If he did, surely he'd have said so. It's only Matthew and Luke who tell that story, a decade or so after Mark. Whatever had actually happened... Mark implies that people thought Jesus had been conceived out of wedlock, a cause cause of stigma at the time. No wonder they didn't want to listen to him, didn't even think he had the right to speak. Blessed are the poor, said Jesus, not just the financially poor, but all who are despised by others. We've heard those words many times, but they were new and life-changing to those who heard them for the first time. The poor, the enslaved, the disabled and disadvantaged people, women and children who flocked to Jesus. They knew good news when they heard it. That they, even they, especially they, were blessed and loved by God. It was like water in a desert. They found new dignity in following Christ. They discovered a truth that set them free. That they were of infinite worth to God however much contempt, scorn and derision the world heaped on them. It's a message which is as important now as it was then. It's important whether we think of ourselves as poor or as rich in the world's terms, because the truth is that we may all find ourselves in either camp at some stage. Sooner or later, we all have to face situations in which we don't have what we need, whether that's money, health or status. However charmed a life we've led, none of us is invulnerable. But whatever our circumstances, God never looks on us with contempt, scorn or derision. So we shouldn't look on ourselves or others like that either. Instead, we're called to open our hands and hearts to one another, in our poverty and in our riches, in our weakness and in our strength so that together we can discover and share the limitless generosity and grace of God. Amen. Let us pray. Loving Lord, we pray that you would guard us against making judgments about ourselves and one another based on our poverty or wealth, our ability or disability, our failure or success. Help us to look always with your eyes, which see people only as blessed children. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Loving Lord, we pray for all whose lives are an uphill struggle in our world, that they would not only receive material help, but also justice, dignity and respect. We pray for all who work to create just structures in society, 
and for the role that each of us can play in the decisions we make about what we buy, how we vote, what causes we support and lobby for. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Loving Lord, we pray for our own community and especially for those who feel overlooked or looked down on. We pray for those who use our local food banks and those who staff them, and for all who support neighbours in need, that it may be done with love and sensitivity. We give you thanks for all who help us and those whom we are called to help. May we find you in one another as givers and receivers, and in the love we share. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Loving Lord, we pray for all who are sick, especially for those with long-term disabilities or chronic pain. We pray that they might know your life-giving and comforting presence. We pray for carers, for medical staff and medical researchers, that you would support them in the work they do. And we hold before you in silence all who are on our hearts today. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Loving Lord, we pray for all who've gone before us into the joy of heaven, who see you face to face and see themselves as you see them, precious children of your love. May we know that eternal truth, both now and in the world to come. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. The peace of God that passeth all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. such as this unseen, and that leads to what I need.